Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. This week, I chat with senior food editor Chris Morocco about BA's best chocolate chip cookies. Chris literally spent two months conceptualizing, researching, developing, and testing this recipe uh, with something as divisive as what makes a perfect cookie. Uh, it was, of course, not an easy process. We go deep on why he made the decisions he made, and we even taste some of his cookies warm out of the oven. And after that, we are airing one of the segments from our live red sauce-themed podcast from a few weeks ago. Uh, it's Chris Gen this time talking with Claire Saffitz about his recipe for classic tiramisu. Let's do this. Chris Morocco. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you come bearing chocolate chip cookies, and I was thinking, like, chocolate chip cookies, like, everyone loves chocolate chip cookies. They do. They do. They love them, and they have big opinions about them, Exactly. Too. But see, everyone <laughs> everyone loves a particular type of chocolate chip cookie. They want right. their chocolate chip cookie. Right, right, right. And yeah. it was your job to make chocolate chip cookies for all. And is that even possible? I, you know, I'm on the I'm on the the far side of this project now, and kind of looking back, I sort of think, oh my gosh, you know, the things the things I didn't know back then, you know, just in terms of trying to please everybody, and the hubris of thinking, oh, maybe I could find one chocolate chip cookie recipe to unite them all. But I'm, well, I'm gonna say no, but <laughs> you could make one that like, hey, this is a really great cookie for what it is, mm -hmm. and and maybe that could be indisputable that you accomplished did you accomplish what you set out to do you think i think i did i think i did I, I i developed a recipe that i think brings a classic chocolate chip cookie into the modern era and puts a ba mm. stamp on it yeah or, or i mean what's 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 wrong with just the basic toll house recipe i think i grew up eating toll house sure, you same. grew up eating toll house yeah do, are, are we quote unquote misremembering how good they were I think a little bit. <laughs> it's all it's like, you know, trying grandma's old recipes and being like, hmm, okay, interesting. I Definitely would change I that. I love you, grandma, but, but I, it's funny. So my wife actually made Toll House cookies a little while ago. Just straight up. Just straight up. Our son was having friends or something. There was something going on with kids and stuff. So she just like literally just bought the, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you smell them in the oven and that's that's always intoxicating. Right. Whatever kind of chocolate chip cookies are in the oven, we all know that smell. And you're like, oh. But when I had the cookies themselves two hours later, they felt pretty, how should I say this, monodimensional. Yeah. There wasn't a lot going on. It's not a lot of nuance, right? It's kind of sweet. It's a little bit chocolatey, but 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 the chocolate flavor is a little bit middling. I want to say back in, back in my day, Maxine Rappaport, a.k.a. my mom, she would do... Toll House. I want to say she would do Toll House cookies, but she would then fold in oatmeal. Ooh, okay. So it was like an oatmeal chocolate chip. But not cookie. with raisins. No, God. But no. just with no, chocolate no. chips. No, there were there, there, there were literally no raisins in the report house when I was growing up. And that at least gave it some dimension. Yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Well, so you get a little bit of texture, a little crunch and stuff. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to go about to go deep in your new BA's best chocolate chip cookie recipe. This also goes back to the 70s and before. She would always insist on half butter, half Crisco shortening. Oh. So in her mind, the butter introduced flavor to the cookie, but the Crisco kind of kept it crisp. 
yeah, that crisp, tender kind of melt in your mouth yeah. kind of quality. My grandma, honestly, you know, she used all Crisco in her pie crusts, and nobody was complaining at the time. No. You know, it's also because you didn't know. We also didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I know, but still, yeah. I mean, this is this was a kind of a huge, exciting challenge for me, um, and it took a while. This was a, a very deep dive. You know, normally I have a binder, you know, that's like, this would be for like maybe six recipes. Um, this is one recipe and I've got kind of like a half inch stack of papers here. Yeah, so you, you came with this 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 purple folder, mm -hmm. manila folder with all sorts of notes. I also listened to an audio file of you discussing your process with Alex Beggs and Sasha Levine. It kind of felt like I was like auditing like a bioengineering class senior year. Like you guys, you were you were using terms like hugely impacts and implications and repercussions <laughs> and doming. And I'm like, is it? I, I literally felt we were talking about like polar ice caps melting or something. Oh um, God! So you're not just like, oh, I'm going to make a yummy recipe. You're going deep on this thing. Yeah, we. You know, you have to because this is look. You know, as we discussed before with recipes, where everybody has had it. Everybody has a frame of reference for what they want. There is a huge responsibility to analyze kind of what's come before you and think critically about everything you're bringing to the process and about everything that you're asking people to do. All right. So what was your starting point? Starting point was I cooked through six recipes from people who I, you know, respect and who have, you know, have done chocolate chip cookies. People like Dory Greenspan. I did one of Allison Roman's recipes, not the shortbread ones, a different one that she had done for BA ages ago that I recalled. Lindsay Hunt had done a huge deep dive at BuzzFeed talking about sort of the, you know, the advantages of using melted butter in chocolate chip cookies. Mm. I did Violet Bakery. I did Cook's Illustrated. I did the Jacques Therese recipe that that ran in the New York Times, you know, and, and I had sort of various results, you know, some were good, like the Violet Bakery only uses egg yolks. So there was that kind of like really interesting kind of like yolky, eggy, savory kind of quality yep. to the cookies. However, they domed sort of horribly and were a little bit tough, a little bit in oh. like the kind of like Levain, but not as good as Levain. Oh, can, you know? we, can we talk about Levain? So Levain, 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 Levain. Uh, as a bakery <laughs> here on the upper, upper west side of New yeah. York. And so that is this kind of cultish spot where those, I don't even know if I would call those cookies. They are a whole other level of indulgence and gooey and buttery and crackly and that's like a whole I, it's it's a thing it's a thing and it's like you could you, that's an interesting point of view but like would you would we ever call that BA's best no like no uh, yeah. because it's not appealing to it's this like it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the Bugatti of of cookies <laughs> yeah. it's like you're not going to drive that thing down the street okay yeah. so so you trace all these bags for instance Alex Beggs she was remarking how she always loved the Cook's Illustrated one and they use brown butter in that one which yeah. I imagine introduces a nice sort of flavor note yeah. and Cook's Illustrated does all these tests so like why wouldn't Cook's Illustrated just be perfect Sure. I mean, that that's a great point. I mean, I, I'm I did cook through I'm setting you up for theirs. take a shot at Cook's Illustrated right now. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, look, as somebody pointed out in their one-star review of my cookie online, wow. never having even made it. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, they were like, oh, well, this is remarkably similar to, similar to Cook's Illustrated. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's remarkably similar to every chocolate chip cookie recipe. Yeah. It's very, you know, precisely proportioned ingredients, you know, that all have to be, you know, proportionate, you know, one to another. And have a, a scaled to fit, you know, kind of two sheet trays worth of cookies, you know. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they're all kind of the same, but it's it's the details that matter. All right. So why don't, how about we do this? How about you walk us through the recipe and for each step, 
let us know sort of how you got there and how it might differ from other versions or how it might be similar to other versions that are out there. Okay, okay. So the first step of this recipe is to just mix together your dry ingredients, you know, similar to many cookie recipes. So we've got all-purpose flour, and right there I have to stop right off the bat and say, you know, the Jacques Therese recipe that's hugely popular for New York Times calls for a combination of bread flour and pastry flour. And, you know, right there, you know, you've kind of like you've asked people to probably go out and get two flowers that they don't normally have on hand in their in their homes. And might know. not use again. And may not use again. Exactly. So part of this also, part of a BA's best recipe is you want it to be excellent, but you, you want it to be, there should be a... It should be relatively accessible for sure and we you know we were incredibly mindful of that kind of at every at every turn in terms of what we want ask what we were trying to ask people to do and you know what we didn't want to ask them to do so point being you know did all-purpose flour baking soda soda not powder and i'll get into that later a good amount of kosher salt in this case it's a quarter one and a quarter teaspoons of diamond crystal kosher salt mm. or three quarters of a teaspoon of morton salt Morton's kosher. Morton's kosher. And we've yeah. talked about this a lot, but exactly. different salts have different sizes, Densities, crystals, yeah. or grains, or whatever, and that affects the salinity level. Always be mindful of that <laughs> on always. any recipe oh from God, Bon yeah. We So we always use diamond kosher as our measuring stick, right? Yeah, and we try to call it out, you know, when and for large quantities when you might need to convert. Okay, I feel like any dessert, any grown-up dessert these days, salt, salty. Like, we love the salt. Uh, we didn't know that before. Now we do. I mean, I think we knew it, but we didn't know we knew it. So now everything is like salted caramel or salted whatever. The notion of salt within the batter as opposed to or not necessarily in addition to the sprinkle of like Malden sea salt on top. Yeah. You know, I, I did that in a previous version, the, you know, specifically the Malden on top. In addition to the one in the in batter. In addition to the salt in the batter. And Andy came down really hard on it. And Wait, Andy Barragani didn't like something? <laughs> Andy ruins everything. You know that. He had a fair point, though, which is that, you know, to us, like, we think nothing of putting flaky salt on a dessert, you yeah. know, and calling it, you know, Instagram worthy. For a lot of people, that's that already kind of renders a, a potentially a recipe inaccessible. Like, why is there salt on my cookie? Or do I now need to go out and buy an $8 box of Malden? Right. Yeah. And again, you know, we... Of all the things we wanted to ask people to do, like that was not one of them. And it was a look that I have to say, like, maybe a little bit played out. Yeah. You know? Okay. All right. So, so next I, up, I find that interesting. It's like a BA's best recipe is not only does not only comprise what a, re a recipe needs, but also what it doesn't need. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because it's not necessarily about making the end all be all. Doesn't matter if it takes you three days. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to rest the cookie dough. You I'm know, not resting. Forty eight hours. Dough. Yeah. No. Nobody wants no. to rest the cookie dough. And there was I did. There were several recipes that were like, okay, now chill for up to forty eight hours, but minimum twenty four. And it's like, come on, you're making cookies here. Like you want to be eating them within. 15 minutes. Or you maybe got like friends minutes. over at your house. You might have had a few bottles of wine. You decide to make cookies. You're like, oh, sure. oh, oh. No, actually, we can't have these until tomorrow. Need you Sorry, guys, guys. Back over here on Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> Not happening. No, thanks. All right. So the next step of the process is browning one stick, uh, eight tablespoons of butter. And browning it, you know, to the point where it is brown. I mean, you know, not just like lightly toasty, but, you know, taking it right to the point where it is like full on, you know, kind of hazelnutty brown. Nutty. Nutty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're transferring that to a bowl. And as soon as it's cooled, um, just slightly after a minute, we're adding more whole butter to melt into mm, that brown butter. How much more? 
four tablespoons. Okay. And that is a similarity with the Cook's Illustrated recipe where they're using a combination of brown butter and whole butter. It's something that I talked with Claire a lot about. And the reason is this, and this is where like we go go full on, you know, kind of like sciencey. Brown butter has had all the water cooked out of it. That's how you are able to get the fat to begin to actually toast the milk solids because it Basically, the fat climbs above the boiling point of water. Water is driven off. The milk solids toast. Great. So now you have this lovely liquid fat, you know, with all these kind of, you know, suspended, toasted, you know, kind of milk solids in it. However, that butter no longer has water. And water is an essential ingredient for developing some gluten, which you want in the cookie meaning water is going to act on the flour during the mixing process and See, this help was like develop the, This was like the gluten. bioengineering yeah, part I know, of the I know. discussion. I tried to keep it real <laughs> tame here, man. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to take your word for this. Okay. All right, so we have ha- full stick brown butter, half a stick chopped up, put in the brown butter so it gently melts with the water still in there. Exactly. Yep. And, and, you know, and honestly, like, brown butter is great. Nothing but brown butter it can be a little bit overwhelming. Much. Okay. You know, right. so there's a balance there. So we got Let's our just fat. Say. We've got our fat. Now, one cup of packed dark brown sugar goes into What is that the deal with the difference between dark brown and light brown? It just has more molasses. So basically, you know, they're both refined sugars that have had molasses okay. added back into them. But if I, if I only had light brown sugar in my cupboard, it should still work, but I really want you to have the dark brown. And this is one of the things, like, because then I'm going to give you, you like a three star instead of four star exactly, review, and then you're because... going to you're going to write back like, "Well, did you use dark brown?" Right, and I'll and... be like, "No, I didn't have any." And then you're like, "Well, <laughs> I've been going through this on you know DMs like in Instagram so many times over the past couple weeks. It's been wild, you know, just like taking it step by yeah. step, you know." Um, so yeah, the, and part of why that molasses content is essential is because of the baking soda, which we mentioned as our second ingredient. Baking soda needs the presence of an acid in order to create the reaction you want, to create the leavening you want in the cookie. God. Sorry, man. This is deep. I know. So wait, the, can we before we get to yeah. chemical reactions? I, but already it seems you know talking about like the. Toll House version, already we're, we're browning butter, we're introducing mm-hmm. dark brown sugar. I can already sense that this cookie is going to have more depth of flavor For sure. than our Toll House. Absolutely. You know, because Toll House, it's, you know, it's it's white flour, it's white, a lot of white sugar, maybe some brown sugar, you know. There's just, you're you're leaving a lot of potential for flavor behind, yeah. you know. Okay. Um, so, all right, so we've got our... Sh- We've got our dark brown sugar, one cup packed dark brown. Um, then you have a quarter cup of granulated sugar. And now the ratio of dark to light sugar has major implications for the texture of the cookie. So dark brown sugar or light brown sugar, either one of those two will mean a chewier cookie. Uh, granulated sugar will create a crispier cookie. But we found we could tip the scales way further in the direction of dark brown sugar than most recipes. Okay, I'm going to interject. <laughs> Emma, mm-hmm. are we allowed to taste the cookies now at this point, do you think? Yes. Emma says yes. So you brought, I want to sort of taste what you're talking about as you're talking oh, about Oh yeah, it. go for so it. So we have a tray in front of us of eight cookies. They're they're not wafer thin, but they're they're on the flatter side. They're not, they don't dome. They're not bulbous. Maybe they're a little bit convex in the middle, mm-hmm. edged on the sides. They've got a nice crackly sort of 
like the salt flats in some desert sort mm, of mm-hmm. texture, like the crackles throughout it. Uh, these beautiful, glossy, melted chocolate chunks, not chips. When were these baked? I made these. These maybe came out of the oven 30 minutes ago. Okay. Ooh, I got a little bit of that in the audio. Mm. Now, what I really like about what's happening here is you have mm. that kind of audible crunch that's happening on that outer edge of the cookie. Where exactly, will, the, the very edge, like a pizza crush. Yeah, like it'll like shatter. You know, mm-hmm. I can like crumble that, right? But then the interior is chewy. Mm-hmm. You know, there is kind of like a, a richness and a moistness to that, and it has like a chew to it. And I think that's fair to say that's probably what a lot of people want. They want it crispy and chewy. That's what I heard over and over. Crispy and chewy, crispy and chewy. You know, so this is not, to your point, this is not a tall cookie. This mm-hmm. is not a Toll House cookie that kind of really wants to like stand right up off the um, the baking sheet. There is a little bit of like a kind of like camel hump, you know, a little bit just sort of sloping into the center. But yeah, it's it's not a full on classic profile. Like we definitely brought our own kind of signature look to this. And so, all right, so we we've got the the refined sugar and the dark brown, and that and that with the melted and, and but, brown butter. Yep, that allows you to kind of get a crispy and chewy yep. vibe. What else okay. goes on next? So into that bowl, one whole egg and two egg yolks. I brought my own. Um, Iced I'm so Americano I'm so today. I would have brought right you now. one, but you literally work in a test kitchen where there's an espresso machine. So. I know. I have, I have no You're excuse on your own to be under-caffeinated. One. Yeah, so one whole egg, just because the egg white, you know, is going to introduce some moisture to the dough, and you don't want the dough to be too wet. And then the yolks, because the thing that I really liked about those Violet Bakery cookies was that, you know, that yolky kind of savory quality was really nice in there. The yolk also, you know, helps create a little bit of like firmness and controls the spread of the cookie. It also, you know, if you hold this up to the light, there is a sheen. And these are probably about three and a half inch diameter. Yep. That's great eyeball. Yeah. Three and a half inches. So, you know, a couple people, you know, have mentioned, oh, you know, they these spread quite a bit. And, you know, these do. Yeah, it goes from being kind of a, a one and a quarter inch sphere, roughly, you know, to a three and a half inch wide. You can kind of see with some of them, there's, it's almost like there's ripples, like a, like mm-hmm. a pebble is dropped in a lake where yes. the well is in the middle of the cookie and then it sort of ripples outwards as it bakes. Yeah. And honestly, like they are a little bit like snowflakes, you know, each one's going to be this, always a little bit this different. This Americano is oh, so God. good. This is just torture. <laughs> you know, they're, some of them bake up a little bit more like crackly, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them bake up a little bit more ripply. And I honestly wish I could tell you I knew the exact reason why. And I, li- I, I, like, I like the fact that they're imperfect. I celebrate them all. So <laughs> you love all your kids, <laughs> but some more than others. Um, all right. So, so you have not combined the wet and the dry yet. No. So so the eggs get beaten into the sugar butter mixture, and that's the point at which the dough starts to come together in this kind of opaque, smooth-ish mass um, that starts to take on kind of like a creamy look. And Hold um, on. Are yeah. we doing this with like a stand mixer with by hand? Oh, Does it matter? Great point. We are doing this with a whisk by hand because oh, you wow. do not need a mixer for this recipe. You can do this all by hand. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, I love KitchenAid, but the whole thing of like, you should be able to make things without owning a stand mixer. Totally. God bless a stand mixer, There's, but I don't want to have to go out and 
buy drop four hundred dollars to make, make cookies. Cookies, yeah. you know, I mean, for like there's certain things, certain desserts. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Okay, but for cookies, that was the other thing. You know, like I I loved Dory's cookies. She was the first recipe that I tried where it was two teaspoons of vanilla extract, and man, you taste that. You taste that beautiful florality of the vanilla. And when you use good vanilla, like the Hey Lala or the Nielsen Massey, it's unbelievable the difference that that makes. How much so, do you use? Two teaspoons. Okay, cool. Thank you, Dory. So my feeling was I just, I didn't want people to have to like have a mixer, you know, in order to make this cookie. And that is a real difference with a lot of cookie recipes. So even ones that I really liked, such as Dory's, you know, you're creaming the butter and the sugar together and you're beating air into it, but not too much air and trying to explain to people the moment that's like, okay, well, this is properly creamed, but, you know, don't go too far or you're going to have a cakey, airy very light kind of textured cook, no, like no, crumb nobody in the wants a cake nobody cookie. wants that you know i want a cookie not a cake so that's the thing it's like okay well i'd rather give you a slightly more spread out but like chewy crispy cookie because you can make that by hand so you've combined the dry and the wet so yeah then just till combined and after the eggs go in vanilla goes in and then the dry goes in and at that point you're not using a whisk you're just using a rubber spatula you're bringing that dough together and then the chocolate chunks go in. All right. You did not say chocolate chip. I certainly did not. So should, should we call this BA's chocolate best chocolate chunk cookie or BA's best chocolate chip cookie? See, the thing is chocolate chunks are a thing. They're a thing that you can buy. And this is not that. And there's a specific reason for that. So number one, purely visually, um, I love the way we're these obsessed I love the way with these aesthetics here. Yeah, maybe just mildly so. Like this looks like a modern chocolate chip cookie, right? Well, if what, I, do you mean, what do you mean by that? I, what I mean is like if I give you a cook, this same cookie but with chocolate chips in it, you're gonna look at oh, it and it's, it's be like, like, it's more like an emoji. Yeah, it's like this is like there's like there's like little tar pits around the cookie where there's like bubbling melted pots of like gooiness and there's like there's even a couple places where you can see the surface detail that yeah. had existed in the bar of chocolate oh with the little like squares are yeah. yeah so what are right, so you're buying you you're advising what so and chocolate, chocolate chips very hard to find chocolate chips above you know kind of whatever 50 percent cacao same with chocolate chunks it's very hard you to just, find good quality you just wanted to say cacao i certainly did so 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 what <laughs> are we, what, get are, away with it, what are we telling uh, what am i buying so you are buying just bar chocolate six ounces of you know 60 to 70 percent bittersweet chocolate that you chop yourself and this is one of those moments where that's like, what i'm asking i'm going to interject so okay. i do think nowadays you can go to a any decent or even like just kind of random grocery store and they all oh, have that shelves yeah. with all the different types of bar chocolate on there species on whether there. it's valrona or guitard or or uh, what's the one in san francisco uh, ghirardelli oh ghirardelli or, uh, ghirardelli chocolate Sorry. yeah and take note of what the percentages are. Yeah, I think sixty is kind of that still sweet, but just starting to get bitter. Seventy mm -hmm. percent. The more cacao, the less sweet it's going to be. Seventy is so. If you want a more grown-up cookie, lean yep. more seventy. If you want it to still be a little bit sweet, lean more sixty. Right. Fair to say. So it's, it should be up to you. 
as a cookie consumer for sure how bitter or not bitter you want your exactly cookie. and with chips you often don't have a choice it's yeah. like i mean what percentage is like the nestle you know kind of morsels like yeah. it's it's and low, i guess and, and the and the percentage gives you a more exact other than just the the phrase bittersweet which could mean a lot of different things exactly that's a, a good thing to point out and you know so when you chop the chocolate yourself yeah you get some of these massive shards that then melt into these so lovely how do you chocolate chop it? pools on a clean non-garlicky cutting board <laughs> <laughs> with a knife and not your best night. Is there anything worse like when you're making yourself a cocktail and you're like, ooh, I want to make myself like a <laughs> vodka grapefruit and you're slicing the grapefruit and you make your vodka soda you with the grapefruit and maybe I did this last night and then all of a sudden you're like, what does that taste? And you're like, oh, that was the garlic from last uh, night when I made like the, the spaghetti with so the tomato real. sauce. It's so real. Um, <sighs> you need a clean cutting board and I use know. like honestly a serrated knife is great. You know, um, wait, 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 for, wait for for my for, for my the, grapefruit or for, for the, the chocolate? chocolate? For the oh, chocolate. really? I always yeah, yeah. use like a chef's knife and, and just put my you heel can. down. I just okay. I'm never gonna use my best knife for something like that. Okay. You know, All so right. yeah, leave and then that way you get and you these like irregular tiny sizes. pieces. Yeah, exactly. Some little shards, some chunks. Mm-hmm. So oh. that then disperses through the cookie and then gives you this beautiful, you know, kind of overhead view. That I think just like it, it kind of just defines the look of the cookie and the feel. So, so you've got your batter we call mm-hmm. it batter yeah, uh, dough. It dough okay and then you fold in the chocolate chunks throughout yep so they're evenly relatively evenly but not perfectly dispersed yep and then are we resting this dough we're not resting on the only thing i you know i may update the the recipe with some language just that for the dough it's like, you know, an, it's like an ios it. update or something <laughs> yeah totally they get <laughs> the, an alert get, get an alert on their phone. oh i know seriously i mean you know i've been most i mean honestly most of the photos i've been seeing on instagram are, are honestly like fantastic and i'm so delighted there are some people what's, who, what's your handle again uh morocco chris at morocco chris m o r o c c o just like one r two c's yeah mm-hmm. at morocco chris yes you That's get right. a lot you, you get a lot of these dms these days yeah a lot you know and i'm trying to repost you know like the successes and even some of the fails maybe somebody didn't leave enough room for all the cookies to come mm spread on the cookie sheet whatever but otherwise they were looking good you know this is if the dough should kind of hold its shape when you go to put it on the cookie sheet it's going to be what are, you, soft. what are you scooping the dough with i love an ice cream scoop but i realize people don't have those the so, ice cream scoop that has a little the, the yeah sort of scoops it out and exactly like, so if you're going to use about how big is each three tablespoons oh three tablespoons really yeah. okay so yeah. a lot yeah, yeah, it's a good amount um, because these cookies do spread a lot. You can really only get eight per baking sheet, which means you're making 16 bigger cookies total. I notice on your baking sheet, this is an all-purpose sort of piece of advice, you're a fan of parchment paper? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it just really saves you clean up. It allows the cookies to spread and not stick nicely. You don't need to coat it with anything. Yeah, it's super just, easy. Yeah, super easy. And we have in the, in the test kitchen, we also have the parchment papers that pull out one sheet at a time as opposed oh, yeah. to on a roll, which is exactly because they lie they perfectly, perfectly flat. They Why fit, don't I yeah. have that? I need to buy that. Okay, <laughs> I'll send you home with some. All right, so you 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 eat, you space them out about how many inches in between each each ball do you think for safety? Three, sake? three inches in between. Yeah. Okay, at least. Yes. Yeah, I kind of stagger two and then two offset below. Oh, and then I two got you. And two. Does okay, that make so sense? Zigzagging down. Exactly. So. All right, when you were ready to bake these, finally. Emma, do you want one of these? Yeah, Emma. You can come over Come here. on over. She's like Happy to wing one over yeah, to you. Yeah, she's super serious. She's got her glasses on today. Yeah. Temperature-wise, how much did you go debate or try temperature, or did you know right away what it was going to be? I wanted 
I want some color on these, mm-hmm. and I knew we needed to get that edge to set so that they don't spread too much. So 375 is the sweet spot for getting a little bit of color around that outer edge, getting it to set so that you do then get a little bit of like vertical rise as well as the lateral spread. How many minutes? I'm averaging 9 to 10. And you just kind of eyeball in terms of like as it's starting to get brown, but not too brown. Yep. Brown on the edges. You'll see brown around the edges, just firm around the edges, a l- touch of color across the top. And the only, you know, over baking them, it's not going to be a bad cookie. It just means you're going to lose some of the chew and you're going to develop a lot more crispiness. Middle rack, lower rack. If you've got two baking sheets in there, divide them between the upper third and lower third of the oven and rotate if you're getting like massively uneven color. Otherwise, just leave them alone. Chris Morocco, <laughs> we can find your BA's Best chocolate chip recipe on bonappetit.com now. You can DM Chris. You can share your cookie <laughs> photos with him on Instagram at, Mor- gentle, at Morocco Chris. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Adam. All right. Hi, everyone. Hi, Chris. Hi, Claire. Okay, so Chris and I are here to talk about the recipe he developed for old school tiramisu that is in the May issue and part of the whole red sauce package. Um, And so Adam and Emma Wurtzman, who helped organize the event, asked me to kind of be the one to to ask you about the recipe and walk you through it. Uh, What they did not anticipate (laughs) is that there's a plot twist, which is that I do not like tiramisu. I do not (laughs) think that it is a good dessert. So basically your job just got harder. A lot harder. Because I think your goal needs to be that by the end of this segment, you're going to convince me that it is a good dessert. Well, I have to try, right? You have by any means you. Me- necessary, right? Right. Well, so Claire, it just so happens, backstage, I have a tiramisu that I made just for you. Okay. <laughs> a, a whole one. I didn't want to walk out with like a creepy paper bag, okay. so... It, it is slumping a little bit because I didn't make it with enough time to let it set fully, but that's fine. We're not right. focusing on that. I mean, you're okay. starting with a handicap. Thank you. Okay. What I want to do is tell you everything I don't like about tiramisu. Yeah. So can you walk me through like what the issue is exactly? Yes. yes. So first and foremost, and this isn't always a bad thing, it's mushy. I have a problem with the combination of cold and mushy with the lady fingers. It's just okay. like too much of one. Okay. Like, <laughs> I like, would call that crispy gone soggy, which is yeah, something that I we know. occasionally look for in recipe. But it's like the sameness of the texture to me is sort of unappealing. It's like there's no, there's no crunch, there's no firmness anywhere. There are actually distinct layers, which you'll see uh-huh. here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, the te- texture is first and foremost. My other problem, uh, two other problems. One is there's often uncooked alcohol in it, and I like alcohol in desserts, but I want it to be cooked. Like I don't love like sensing the, an alcohol burn in a dessert. Touche, but I only put a tablespoon in. Okay, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about all the different components, so we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> Third is like the cocoa on top. It's like bitter and chalky, and like, you, like I like chocolate flavor, but it's not like mixed in. You love chocolate. I mean, maybe not tempered, but you know. All right. <laughs> Touche. Pow. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, so all of that said, I, I'm going to give your version a chance. Okay, so I'm gonna cool. Taste it. Okay. We're going to try it together. So yeah, to I could have used maybe a few more hours just uh-huh. so, I, you know, I could unmold it uh-huh. and have it actually, like, hold together. Right. Um, 
Okay, in fairness, like right there, <laughs> right there on her card, it just says, talk about why I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like I was set up. You were definitely set up. <laughs> I have to say, it's like, it's okay. It's light, it's pleasantly spongy. It's got like a lovely creaminess to it. Uh-huh. I feel like the cocoa and just like the touch of rum kind of work to kind of offset the, the sweetness a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I should love it because there's mascarpone, there's espresso, there's cocoa powder, there's ladyfingers, which like, what are ladyfingers? We're gonna talk about that. But somehow it feels like it, def- it doesn't quite add up to some of its parts. But I will say that flavor-wise, I guess it's mostly a texture thing. Flavor-wise, this is very delicious and very balanced. All right, well, thanks, so I'll, I'll give you it on flavor. Okay, all right, okay. but. I guess before we dive into each component, I want to back up slightly because I think unlike a lot of the dishes we think of as being really classic kind of red sauce staples like spaghetti meatballs, tiramisu truly does like does come from Italy. Mm-hmm. My research told me a small the small northeastern town of Treviso. I did do a little research. All right. Oh, do you, remember, do you know what tiramisu means? Pick me up, right? Pick me up. Yeah. There's like of a whole backstory. Just Google it about <laughs> how how that works. Um, but I know that there's a part of your family that's Italian, so I just want to just first kind of back up and see, like, do you have a personal connection to this? Because I think one of the reasons I don't love it is, like, I didn't grow up eating tiramisu. You know, the funny thing is, I, I really didn't either. We were kind of a cannoli household. Like, cannoli mm, uh-huh. were just, like, uh-huh. that was, like, the pinnacle, you know? So we'd go to the North End in Boston, and we'd go to Mike's Pastry, and then once we knew better, we'd go to Modern Pastry. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it was uh-huh. it was always hilarious trying to get, like, the grumpy teenager, you know, behind the counter to, like, fill the cannoli fresh for us. Uh-huh. It was, like, that was, like, that was the play. Like, you got to get the cannoli fresh filled, but nobody wants to give you the cannoli fresh filled so it just didn't leave you a whole lot of options. Uh-huh. You got like the had all the little chocolate chips on the end. Oh yeah, the chocolate chips or the like the weird green pistachios, you mm-hmm. know. And your dad was like outside, like revving the engine, like you know, <laughs> right, like there's where, nowhere where, to park. where the hell is this kid? You know, yeah, there's nowhere uh-huh. to park. Um, but yeah, tiramisu. I didn't. Um, it was restaurant food, you know, to me. And uh, there was a place up the road from where we lived called the Cantina Bruzzi where. Um, tiramisu was on the menu, however, I never really ordered it as a kid because to your point, you know, there's a lot of like really aggressive flavors, you know, that like raw, you know, cocoa powder, you know, a little bit of alcohol, a lot of espresso, not a great idea for a young kid, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and on the, the menu, on their dessert menu, they had this chocolate mousse in this edible chocolate cup, which was just like <laughs> the last word, uh-huh. you know, in, in decadence, at least in my, you know, nine-year-old mind. Uh-huh. Um, so this was something that I've really only ever had in, um, in restaurants. And, you know, so it was like, it was honestly a little bit daunting to develop one, um, you know, because you don't have the same frame of reference having, you know, had it like countless times or having right. made it a zillion times. Right. Like a lot of the recipes we make, you know, actually come from things that we do, right? And there doesn't seem to be one, there's not like one authentic recipe that's out there. So it seems like every cook makes it a different way, every restaurant makes it a different way. So when you were thinking about all the ingredients and components, how did you kind of decide, like, you know, like, well, first, I guess, walk us through what the components are and kind of what choices you had to make. Right. So, okay, so these are the components. And, and this is where, like, tiramisu, it is a little bit quirky, right? So the, the base of it is kind of these biscuits, these ladyfinger cookies, which are really weird. And they're, they're super dry. They have no fat in them. Mm-hmm. They're sweet, but 
incredibly crumbly. I don't know when you'd eat a ladyfinger not in tiramisu. You probably wouldn't want to. I guess they're in like Charlotte's, which is a dessert. It's like I, around the edges. But I know there's many different kinds. So you had to find like an Italian... What, what's the, what are they called? Like Savoyardi. Yeah. So those are the very dry ones. The really dry ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's those, which are it's like, it's like a, from like a separated egg foam, you know, kind of sponge if you want to get technical. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have that, which you then soak in, you know, sweetened espresso or coffee, um, you know, sometimes with like a little bit of vanilla. And then the other component then is the cream. And there's a lot of a lot of different ways to go about making that. Um, so you have mascarpone, which seems to be kind of like de rigueur, you know, for, for tiramisu. Um, and mascarpone is sort of like, it's like cream cheese. However, it's like Italian cream cheese. So it actually has a lot of fat in it. Whereas like American cream cheese has a lot of stabilizers. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not to hate on Philadelphia. No, for certain applications, you know, it's fine. It's the only thing sometimes. <laughs> but, um, the, and then you have this, um, you know, usually some people use a meringue actually, like kind of like mm-hmm. as the base for like making this kind of light, kind of creamy filling. But um, what I really kind of leaned in on was um, sort of like this like egg uh, I don't know what technically what is it. It's like an egg foam, right? So it's like you're you're beating egg yolks, sugar, in some kind of liquid. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to do it over like a hot water bath, but it's a nice way to do it in a way that you can, you know, thereby like you know kind of cooks your eggs. And people have a lot of issues with like raw uh-huh. egg. Um, but then it's this question of okay, well, how do you how do you bring these things together? You know, so you usually will have some amount of like whipped cream, the mascarpone, and then you have like your your foamy egg business, um, uh-huh. and it's just a matter of how you put those things together. Right. So talk about some of your decisions. So sometimes you see like marsala mm. or like a c- cognac or some other alcohol, but. What's in your recipe? It's rum, right? Yeah, I put just a touch of rum. I mean, in this whole thing, there's one tablespoon of rum, you know, which is obviously not a lot. But Mm -hmm. my feeling about Marsala is like, A, like, what exactly is it and who the hell has it? Uh You know? Uh huh. Like, you know, most people have some kind of brown liquor in in the back of the the cabinet. How many kinds of Marsala do you have in your liquor cabinet, Claire? One. You even have one. And it's just Marsala. Whatever. whatever, (laughs) There's just one thing. Marsala is the brand. (laughs) Right. So you basically have like three main components. And what I like about the recipe, it's nice from a cook's point of view because it's kind of like assembly only. You don't have to turn on your oven. You're not baking baking, some kind of pastry component. So you have your lady fingers, which you recommend just purchasing, right? Don't don't make yeah. Do not make them. You'll be miserable. I have made lady fingers (laughs) before. It's not that fun. Yeah. No, it sucks. Yeah, all you're doing is drying them out to then put more liquid in. So you have your lady fingers, and then you have your espresso, which is the soaking liquid for the lady fingers. Exactly. And then you have this like creamy mixture that then you're using to layer in between. Mm -hmm. So. You were saying like this is your egg foam beaten over hot water bath. Is that right. technically a, well, there's like two, one, the French term is sabayon, which comes, I think, from the original Italian, which you might want to correct my pronunciation is sabayone. Is that right? I, I just call it sabayon okay. and, and kind Fair of enough. like, just like draw out some of the vowel sounds a little <laughs> right. bit. But, right. but like, honestly, it's one of those things that's like, it's a little bit fussy, but it's a beautiful thing in and of itself. I mean, if there's one thing about this whole, you know, sort of process that's a little bit intimidating, it's probably making the sabayon because, mm-hmm. um, Again, not that you have to do it over a hot water bath. It's just nice, you know. It's sort of like it effectively cooks your eggs. You can hold this for, you know, many days. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
yeah, you're kind of like you have to have like a hand mixer powered, you know, you're not doing this by hand, you know, you're not you like, you could, if you, you were really, if you were like Miss determined. Padmore and Downton Abbey, you know, and had the forearm <laughs> right. strength. Yeah, right. maybe. Um, but y- you know, you really want an electric mixer, like ideally for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, it's just egg yolk, sugar. And I honestly used water for that component of it. I worked the rum into the soak for the lady fingers. It just felt a little bit cleaner and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the yolks kind of triple or even quadruple in volume they get like really creamy and they get to the point where you can you know sort of drizzle the mixture over itself and it holds a ribbon um that my favorite that's my favorite language in all of recipe writing is the holding slowly, a ribbon the, the slowly dissolving ribbon slowly dissolving ribbon <laughs> <laughs> sorry this is chris and i are just being ner- i forgot everyone was here we're just being nerdy about talking about the recipe <laughs> so so the coffee mixture does it have to be Italian coffee? You're, I consider Chris, Chris is, you're probably the foremost. It's probably better if it's not Italian oh, coffee, really? to be honest. I would Sorry. say you are the foremost coffee connoisseur that I know. So I trust whatever I, coffee thank selection. Thank you, I think. Yes. <laughs> well, every day I went to work in the test kitchen, it'd be like, if Chris didn't make coffee, then I was like, just not drinking coffee that day. Well, you would just Sorry. show up <laughs> uncaffeinated and just be like in an absolute like lather about whatever. Right. And just well, like, Claire, slow down, drink a cup. It's going to be fine. Well, it's like, what do you do if you need a cup of coffee to make coffee in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the paradox. <laughs> that was always the problem. <laughs> Couldn't get it together. So, so it doesn't have to be Italian coffee. You don't need to like no, get your just, little mocha. But strong machine. coffee is okay. really, really helpful. Um, I mean, some people do 100% espresso. I mean, that's like definitely gives us a little bit of a kick, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely not to be f- fed to like the under 12s, you know, uh-huh. or, right, or right. the over 70s, <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right, or the the 32s. Like <laughs> me, I can't handle that. Right. So, so people that have seen like the, are from the test kitchen videos know that in the test kitchen, that's part of the process. We like exhaustively test and taste recipes before they get printed. So, can you talk about the like earlier iterations of the tiramisu and what did you change and like what wasn't working? Um, I, you know, this was uh, this was not one of those epic struggles. Like honestly, like making a breakfast cookie without like refined sugar, you know, like that was an epic struggle. Uh-huh. Even just like making like donuts the other week, you know, like even that, like I kind of got bogged down trying to get them like exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, but different, you know, recipes have like very different approaches. So like when you know, often in the development process, we'll look at okay, well, you know, what is out there? What did other people do? what were their kind of key moments and, you know, how did they decide, you know, how they wanted to kind of chart a path forward. And, um, you know, the meringue path just seemed weird to me. I think like that yolky kind of quality to the cream here is like really, really, really important um, for that kind of savory balance and for that a little bit of that richness. Um, so I knew I wanted that. I knew I didn't want Marsala or Sherry, you know, mm-hmm. or something kind of like esoteric um, that I certainly don't have at home. Um, and then it was really just a question of like, how do you soak the friggin' dry as hell, like lady fingers uh-huh. in enough coffee so that they're like totally rehydrated, but without falling apart, uh-huh. so you what's, know, what and was assembling. Your, what was your technique for that? I just push it right to the edge and hope it don't, <laughs> it doesn't fall uh-huh. over. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
So, and then you have to, so you assemble everything, you get it all, and you chose a loaf pan in terms I of I did, dimensions. yeah, and you can serve like right from the loaf pan, and I uh, probably should have tried to do that tonight, but I, mm -hmm. I, I got greedy. Um, I wanted to like be able to like, you know, just like show the layers and stuff, um, and like went for presentation. And just FYI, like as an aside, like normally I wouldn't use a square plate, but I have a feeling this thing took, took a one-way trip Chris. here is not going to be going back that to the test help. kitchen. That did not help you. No. Um, but I think yeah. one of the great things about tiramisu is that it is because it is kind of assembly only like you get everything together it doesn't take that long you can make like an enormous amount of it if you have enough lady fingers for you make sure it to feed like 75 people yeah just get like just a hotel not <laughs> right um just don't give me any um I'll probably still it's here that oh, I just want to say this that like it's a dessert that I don't prefer I don't think it's a great dessert I will still eat an entire portion of tiramisu if it's in front of me I just want to say like, that does not stop me I'm just sort of like this isn't as good as it could be yeah um, and I think part of the reason is because often like there's some there's some pretty terrible restaurant it, versions it can of be tiramisu pretty bad because yeah. it is kind of like a cook's dessert there isn't this um like a pastry component that involves a lot of technique so no I'll just say that um so for people that are making this at home <laughs> sorry so for people that want to make it at home, what are ways that they can riff? I've seen like other versions that use, like they swap out maybe an alcohol or they they don't use coffee at all and they've seen like lemon flavored versions. So any ideas for riffing? I mean, for me, I, you know, I think all the components are key. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, you could swap out like some of the elements a little bit here and there. For me, like, again, like the, the real ahas, like the sabayon, like if you go to Via Carota, you know, um, like Zabayon on top of like fresh berries is a dessert on the menu and mm -hmm. it's absolute like magic, you know, it's, it's like gives you all the thing that like custard or like pudding does, but is like ethereally light. Um, so that would be my play. Just like do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, anything I'm missing from the recipe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I just like a, can't believe you don't like, like it more. It's just, it's the cold and the wet. It's just not... I can't get behind it. I just feel like there, it's this like perfect amalgam of all these different things that like manage to stay balanced and are kind of a throwback, but deservedly so. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, the fact that you fail to be charmed by it is, <laughs> is going to stay with me for yeah, a while. Yeah, that's my failure. <laughs> I don't think so. So is that, is that the final word on getting me to like this dessert? I think that was it. I don't have anything else in the back, <laughs> if that's what you mean. All right. All right. I do think this is an excellent version that is that does feel Thanks, like Claire. it is it is oh, i'm trying to make you feel better i'm trying to think of other food so i would say chris and i probably agree on 95 percent, maybe more maybe 98 percent. but that five percent like we're not afraid to dig in yeah exactly it'll be like a knockdown drag out kind of battle yeah which is what adam likes totally in case, in case you didn't notice um other well we just learned about another f potential food feud back in like the back room there. Which we, is, I was eating dried mango and Chris was oh. like, that's not a good food. Yeah. I was that's, that's not for me. Fresh mango all the way, but dried mango, no. Right. And then peanut butter, that's another one. Peanut butter. Peanut butter, bananas. Wait, I'm, oh. I'm the peanut butter lover. F just by oh. the way, just so you guys know, Chris is not. I know Adam feels me about the bananas. It's fine. I work for him, not for you guys. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. So I guess stay tuned for future podcasts about Oh, yeah, I'm sure we can find loads more. We could just do tempered chocolate podcast, too. Oh no, no. <laughs> I'm going to sit that one out. All right, so you can find this recipe in the Bon Appetit's May issue, which is out now, and online if you search Old School Tiramisu. So.
So have cool. fun. Thanks, I Claire. I'll be making it, but thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>